This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody. I am here with Pat from Sega Saturn Shiro to talk vinyl. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm so pumped for this podcast because I know Bob and I have been talking about vinyl for a long time. Well, I, I guess a long time, relatively speaking, of course. But, <laughs> yeah. but anyways, we've been talking about vinyl for a long time. I know Bob is into it. I'm very, 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 very into it. So I think we're all very vinyl-esque in ways, and I'm really excited to talk about records awesome so um i have kind of had a new appreciation for vinyl for a bunch of reasons mostly because i finally have equipment that i could hear the differences and stuff uh but because i know pat is um yeah (laughs) uh we'll get into the equipment in a bit but because i know pat's so into this i'm going to be playing more devil's advocate in this one um and i do truly believe that there is a giant bunch of bullshit revolving around the whole vinyl scene and for me i see i see three three main people that are into collecting vinyl now not people that have for their whole lives i mean people are getting back into it one is the uh the aging hipster with jeans so tight they probably can't hear anyway that buy a 40 dollar bluetooth vinyl player and tell everybody how much better it sounds (laughs) yeah and uh it's that's those are the, the people that frustrate me. Um, then there's of course the people who um, appreciate the entire experience, the artwork, they like having a physical copy of something. Um, you know, they enjoy the music, but it's really the choice of of having something physical and cool to look at, which I have all the respect in the world for. But then there's the people like me who have been doing music forever have been into into any kind of music recording and, of course, nerdiness forever and have just discovered the actual differences and the major benefits sometimes of vinyl, not all the time. Uh, so what's your kind of, you know, 10-foot view opinion kind of in the same vein? And, of course, we're going to get into details in a bit. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of the whole quality thing and the opinion, the ongoing opinion on vinyl or... Just yeah, my, just like kind of, I had vinyl. like my whole like, it's a lot of the vinyl resurgence is mostly bullshit, but when done right, it's absolutely amazing. Would you well, agree with that? Is, disagree? Um, the one thing is that the biggest draw for the vinyl is the idea of the analog recording. So, for those that don't know, uh, probably don't know. So back then and back in the day, they used analog equipment. So 
tape, like reel-to-reel tapes, uh, master tapes in that recording, and they would make masters off of that. So they would take that analog master, uh, d- uh, dub it, uh, cut it to a, a master, a, a, a lacquer and stuff, and cut vinyl from that. Um, and that's sort of what a lot of people miss, is that analog sound, a lot of stuff that was the, the go-to, and there's the, that warmness of it. And a lot of people like will kill for like like people like me will pay uh i don't know six hundred dollars to get something like that sometimes but a lot of cases that's the that's more the the outside of the thing and that's what people like uh nowadays a lot of the stuff is recorded directly from digital which sometimes can sound really really good but sometimes could sound really really bad depending on how it's mastered and how it's cut but a lot of people are here for the analog sound like a lot of people uh i just one of the big proponents is like stuff like uh Mike from uh, Mike from in, uh, I forgot what his last name is from Ingro- the Ingroove Record in Phoenix. He has a whole YouTube channel talks all about that analog sound and stuff, and actually cut his own record from direct analog. Uh, I think I have a copy here. Let me find it. But uh, it's uh, I should move this closer. I'll get some other problems. But uh, essentially, people want that analog sound, that analog. Uh, that analog signal, and that's what a lot of people miss. And I think. A lot. Some people are in it for like you know they like the hipster stuff of it. They have a crappy record player that they grind it to, grind it to uh you know a I guess a flat, basically a flat surface like tire. But um, essentially, it's just a lot of people want that. Uh, there's different levels of it too. There's people that you know they just want like you know something cool to hang on their wall or something or like you know they want to you know. Uh, they want to get down with the plastic love or something like that. You know, it's just all, <laughs> all different and stuff. So, like, for me, for me, really, I like records just because it's a, I don't know, it's been all there in my life. And I guess I'm just a hardcore music fan, like probably Bob is, where it's like, I love the music, you know? It's all about the music. Like, I mean, I'm so pure about it. I'm so insane. Like, I mean, I paid, like, it's that Bill Evans record there that I have, like, this is like a, like this was like it's by a, a, a record company called ERC, which is an electric recording company. This is a six hundred dollar record, and that's not like worth six hundred dollars. I paid six hundred dollars for this record. I'm not crazy, and essentially, it's the most. It's they have the the base analog process. They cut it all like you know from tube amps and stuff. It's insane the quality they try to aim for, and that's sort of that thing that i want with the records i want that analog signal i want that like even with tapes that's why i'm getting the tapes down because i want that analog to go so i'm starting to record and dub my records to cassettes so i can listen to a pure analog experience and that's sort of what i want to be i want to i guess was it joe walsh's i want to be an analog man in a digital world and that's sort of what i am for so i i've been doing a ton of research into this uh, as well as testing and listening and the the one thing that I've consistently found over and over again, with some exceptions, there's always some exceptions, but generally whatever format the band artists, uh, engineers were listening to during the mixing and mastering process has sounded consistently better for me. Mm. And the one that really stood out that I've been showing everybody that comes over from people who don't care about music to, uh, to people who absolutely love music is that uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. I play Billie Jean, the newly remastered versions that are up on iTunes, the mastered for iTunes. I play it through the same exact amp. 
I play it through as close to the same settings as you could possibly play it. And everybody goes, that sounds amazing. You have an awesome stereo. I go, wait a minute. And then I put on the vinyl, which is an original pressing. Original meaning maybe, I don't know when it was made, but definitely in the early 80s. So not a, re- a modern reprint. So, and yeah, I put so that whatever, on. Whatever that print run was back in the 83 or whatever when that album dropped. Yeah, you know, I mean, they sold millions of copies, so it could have been made over the course of a few years. But the important point is it's not a modern reprint. It's the original. And every single person hears a difference. And not only do they hear the difference, most people call out what they hear, which is shocking to me because I would be willing to bet if I did a MP3 versus Mastered for iTunes comparison, no one would be able to pick out the differences so strikingly different. And it's the same with cassette. One of the albums I grew up listening to was Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 2 from Halloween. And I bought, I got a very nice cassette band, player now. Band. I bought a sealed, new, old stock cassette. So from the late 80s, early 90s, I listened to the whole album and I just went, this is amazing. It sounds so different. And then I found the original CD I had since I was a kid. I listened to the opening, the opening, the verse, the verse, the chorus, the chorus, and the hair on my arm stood up. It was totally different. So for me personally, I don't really care about analog versus digital. And the fact that it's on vinyl or cassette means nothing. It's all which is the better sound overall. And better, of course, is subjective. But one of the things, too, that I've been finding is some of the remastered editions of things don't sound the same. And maybe that's because the artist wanted it one way at the beginning and, you know, their ears and taste change later. But if you're chasing the original experience, that's where I like hunting these things down. Now, of course, a couple giant caveats to that. If the record's damaged or if the cassette's worn out, it's not going to sound better. I tried to, yeah. I got a Janet Jackson cassette for basically free. And it, it I think it had been played a million times because it sounded awful. And that's, you know, that that's kind of just one of the things that you're going to have to deal with. But yeah, it, um, it's I've been pretty fascinated with that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, to to use an example that like with, with there's a good point you brought up with that remastered. One of the biggest proponents I have for that, and one of the reasons why the span is such high classic records is Megadeth. So I, mm-hmm. I, you probably know that Dave Mustaine went through about 2004 and did the remaster of all CDs and did remasters of all that, right? Yes, and listening digitally, some of them came out awesome. Uh, he destroyed Euthanasia. Love that album. That the yeah, new mix sounds I, for some terrible. reason, I, I don't know why he. Like the thing I hate most about is the the drums. He added the worst. Like I don't know if he was he might have reverbed it weird or something, or maybe he just added digital drums to it. But like it sounded just awful compared to the original drum sound. It's like mm. it feels hollow and like it's I don't know. It's like spinning in the face of Nick Menz almost. It's almost yeah. on that level of disrespect, and it just so but- yeah. If you take the flip side, you take Rust in Peace. The reason I play guitar is that album that you just yeah. held up the vinyl version of it. If you're listening on a cell phone with you know some Bluetooth headset in, I think the remaster definitely sounds better. But I'd be willing to bet if you put it through a good stereo and good speakers versus the original cassette from back then in mint condition, I bet you the cassette would sound better. Uh, yeah, I honestly for Rust in Peace the remaster, I have a lot of issues with that. That's not related to the mastering of that. Just a lot of different choices and things dave did but like i said i imagine like yeah if you put like a crappy set next to that i definitely think their master would sound better but 
if you on the flip side if you get an original record of that or like a, a rip of that like in, which is online it would blow away the remaster a hundred times but then it gets down to opinion because i know a lot of songs are different like the like take no prisoners is like complete like the vocal t- take take right. is completely different it's not even close to the same. I think Dave actually re-recorded that too, which is kind of he re-recorded the vocals and the backgrounds because they lost the original yeah. masters of them. Yeah, and that's and I'm actually kind of sus on that because in rock band they actually use the original originals, and it was that original take. So I'm kind of a bit sus on what Dave is saying with that. So, I yeah, yeah. I think I want to stick to the um, yeah just yeah. We'll the, the the I, I, I just get so passionate with the rest in peace. Me, me too, because so, yeah. I could I could talk for an entire podcast just about different recording methods and my favorite bands. But yeah, so you you mentioned ripping vinyl. Let's save that for the end. But one of the yeah, no things worries. that I wanted to talk about is reprints of vinyl, and mm-hmm. I have a couple of examples that that are really fascinating. I have ACDC Back in Black. I bought it last year, you know, because my I was just excited to be able to live in a place where I could have stuff like this. And I opened it yesterday for the first time. It's twice as thick as every other record I own. It was kind of it came scratched from the factory, not bad, but a little bit, and it sounded terrible. It sounded yep. like somebody took an MP3 and put it and copied it to vinyl type of thing. It, it That's just pretty much what they've been doing good. for some of these releases. Yeah, total cash grab, capital. I mean, this is what you find in Target most of the time that, you know, the vinyl resurgence, that's, you know, that's the, you know, the hipster listening on Bluetooth headset type of analogy right there. It was so disappointing. And I I listened to Master of Puppets remastered, the one that was released a few years ago. That was very good. It sounded Yeah, they did a really good job on that one. Yeah. I'm surprised how much all the black and stuff has been really good for the vinyl. Especially yeah. ride, especially ride and master puppets specifically. Those two are really good, but they're probably a little bit harder to find because of a certain uh, Stranger Things series. <laughs> I'm just joking, yeah. but but yeah, still think that was uh, that scene. I didn't like this season at all, but that scene was worth watching. The whole Eddie, thing Eddie Munson, Eddie Munson is the <laughs> he was the goat of that season. Him and Argyle, the best. Mm. Yeah. Um, but then I also got the Black Album, Metallica, which very good as well. It's, it's mm-hmm. just a little, you know, almost a little too good, if you will. But that's when you, that's when it starts to get to an interesting discussion of Bob Rock had absolutely every recording technique that was from old school to whatever was cutting edge just came out that year making that album. So I'm really wondering what is the best way to listen to the Black Album? Is it cassette? Is it CD? Is it this vinyl version that's a happy medium of everything? So that one I don't really think we should throw in the mix here because that that's going to start to get complicated. I would also be willing it's to bet some though, of the to think Pantera about... stuff too because that drum tech was – I mean they, they redefined how drums are recorded. So were they all listening to burned CDs in their big fancy studios in the mid mid to late nineties, or were they really listening on analog? I mean, that's that, those yeah, are it's an rare. interesting era for sure because it was between when digital and analog sort of or that transition happened because it was when they're moving away from vinyl, and that's why a lot of the vinyl stuff back then is pretty pricey. But it's still still the analog stuff was the better equipment at the time and the best. They have the best practice because that's what they were good at. So. Then you had that aspect of it as well. So you don't, it's kind of a weird thing. But if I had to hazard a guess, I'm pretty sure they probably would be listening back in the studio, at least on Reel the Reels. And I can almost guarantee yeah. most of that stuff that was recorded was on to analog Reel to Reels. There's some weird exceptions like Dire yeah. Straits, where, uh, where uh, 
uh, I forgot what album the name was. The one with Money for Nothing is on. Uh, Brothers mm-hmm. in Arms, Brothers in Arms. That was all digital, and that's a whole digital album. And that's still probably one of my favorite sounding albums on vinyl. So it's it's an interesting discussion well, to have. Don't forget, though, that when you're listening to high-end reel-to-reel, there's, there's little to no tape noise. When, you, when you're talking about the analog warmth, you're talking about what happens after. And reel-to-reel is different because when I was recording our album, the producer insisted upon using a fake tape noise plug-in that just put out a high-pitched sound that I guess if you're over 50, you can't hear it, but everybody else could. And that was a big argument, but it does That's add something. Weird. But yeah, it's a long story that pissed me off a lot. But honestly, honestly, he should have a lot of money. You guys that. record reel-to-reel. That's at least my opinion. <laughs> But it's not just the reel-to-reel. It's then when it was going to mastering, that reel-to-reel was going through an analog max mastering board out to another piece of analog, which is then copied to another. So that that's where you get you start to really get a lot of the differences, not just one thing of analog. Um, so it's kind of interesting to, to think about all of this stuff and how it applies to how you want to listen to your music. Because I'll tell you, yesterday when I was going through a couple of these records, I was loving the music. I was kind of working in the background. You know, I, I put um, my my regime for when I, I ever listen to any new record new to me is I have a project cleaner that a friend of mine got me as a housewarming present. Things are Oh, nice. It's one of you those gifts really that like, I would have, <laughs> yeah, I'm very lucky, but I would have never paid for that myself. But now that I have it, I get it because you, you basically put a little bit of the special fluid on it. You have a brush. Oh, geez. It spins around like it's a it's a thing. And then you press a button and it's there's a vacuum built in that sucks out all the fluid that you put on. And when you empty out that fluid, it's gross. Like you, you really see what you're cleaning off of that. So I take that and then I put it onto the uh, I have like the special sleeves that you buy. And then I play it on the Fluence record player that I have. And then when it's done, you put it back in the sleeve and then you pretty much never have to clean it again. I don't clean it every time I listen, just the first time it's new to me. And I'm going through, you know, ACDC, Back uh, back in Black, um, very dirty right from the factory. Master of Puppets is great. And then I threw on, I actually don't really like, I hope I don't piss anybody off, but the Crosby, Stills and Nash, never really got into but my dad used to play the album and one song, Dark Star, I always loved. I have no idea why, it just I like it. And I found, I guess I'd bought that album over the past year, cleaned it, I put it on. And the whole time I was listening to the other albums, I'm like, what a great experience. This is cool. But maybe I'm just getting used to the speakers. You know, whenever you have something awesome, fast car, good speakers, like it's not as exciting as day one. I threw on that original album from the 70s dropped the needle down and it just, I get chills again. It was that, holy crap, this is amazing. I hear every instrument I hear the, I mean, you hear the pops and hiss of the record, but the clarity, like this is definitely how they were listening, you know, when they were, when they were, you know, trying to get this record sounding right. So there is definitely a difference. No, definitely for sure. I I definitely think it's probably the closest you can get to listening to a reel to reel next to buying a, a couple hundred dollar uh, lacquer to listen to as well. And then real to reels, that's a whole different piece. We'll have to do another podcast on that. It's just, that's pretty much like uh it's like the Neo Geo uh, for people that are more game oriented of collecting like real. Yeah, I want you is, and Miss Mad crazy. Lemon to do that podcast and I'll, uh, I'll just sit in the middle and uh, you know, just, uh, just kind of keep it on track. I think. You oh no, no, no. Awesome I, I would that. never do real to real. That's, that's, that's too crazy for me. And I'm, I'm insane. Like I'm buying, I'm buying like the sets and stuff and listening to stuff like that. I don't need to 
I don't need to get that crazy. I think I can live with the vinyl. Is, I think that might be my stopgap until I hit the lottery because, man, some of that stuff on real real is just insanely, crazily pricey. Yeah. So, you know, back to the point I made at the beginning, which once again, I'm, I'm going a little bit hard just to – so we have two sides Go for of this. It. Go but, as hard as you need to, Bob. <laughs> um, but the original point is – this whole I've seen all these clickbait crap popping up. You know, the resurgence of cassettes is vinyl the new CD. Let, let me, it's, let me get a, uh, I'll get a thumbnail for you so you can you can make clickbait. Uh, <laughs> that's funny as hell. I might have to use that. But it's, it's mostly like hundred dollar record. It's, why does it sound like print? Yeah, mostly bullshit. Mostly, you know, it, it's all about the the creation of the music quality of the physical thing that you're holding on to like you know like the janet jackson cassette that was worn through basically you know that's just because it's on cassette and just because it's on vinyl is not going to make it better exactly but a, 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 a record on analog does not make a good sound make another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And not a good sound makes sometimes. Yeah. Now, um, to for the video game side of things, um, I had seen the data discs releases, and this is going to be all compliments coming up. So just you know, strap in. But and I immediately thought, like, is this another cash grab bullshit? Is this another thing where they're just printing a video game cover of somebody's <clears throat> favorite video game, knowing they're going to buy it anyway? And I didn't really get it, and I also didn't know who they were after I, I had. I had asked that question politely on, on the podcast and people immediately jumped in politely like, no, they're legit. You have to look into these, the, these people. They're awesome. So I did. I bought a couple of their records and uh, Space Harrier showed up. And as soon as, as soon as the music started playing, I just went, I get it. I get it now. A hundred percent. Because it, it is not like listening to the digital versions, like the, you know, just the full digital rips. It is not, is absolutely different and in fact i i i mean maybe this is blasphemous here but i think that it sounds better than you know the uh, any of the other versions i've heard whether it was digital on saturn or the cartridge on genesis or something like that because it was the full soundtrack but no no heavy analog hum from a console because remember these things were not audiophile grade consoles you know they all of the components inside of these consoles were five to 10% tolerant resistors, 20% tolerant capacitors, it would have been useless in the late 80s, early 90s to put out a super high-end thing because no one would have really heard the difference and the company would have lost millions of dollars. So I'm not shitting on Sega for, for that, but 
Wow. I am. What an, what an experience. Get, if I get, get to a triple topic. bypass, boys. Uh, even with the triple bypass, you're ne- never going to get rid of that. Hmm. You're going to lower the noise floor, but it's still going to be there. Whereas on the record, your noise floor is the hiss of the needle, if that. But you still have the analog warmth from it. Yeah, no, for sure. I think uh, I don't know. I'm not familiar with how uh, Data Disk does their mastering and how they get the recording, so I can't speak to that. The one example I do know is uh, is um, the company Ship the Shore. They have a. I'll get over here. Uh, they they had a snatcher. Let me make it quick. Uh, I believe we covered Ship to Shore on Retro RGV a couple times too for a few of the things that they have been releasing. Crystal's been yeah. um, been covering so, yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, they did uh, this one, Snatcher, which is probably okay. my favorite soundtrack of all time. And the way they described it when they're doing, and which I think it's another fantastic sounding record. They're really good uh, data discs, but uh, essentially they told me that they got a rip directly from a, a mega. Uh, was it the Mega Drive with the the hyper the HD graphics from a Sega CD for the stuff that they didn't have on the Konami the, the Zoom tracks from Snatcher. Which I thought was interesting, and they they did the that whole capture, and it was interesting how they did that. And I, I'd like to think that Datus did something at least similar to that on probably maybe uh, arcades, or I don't actually even know. Maybe they even got some master stuff from Sega. So I'd be interested to see as well, because as somebody who has spent an unhealthy amount of time testing Sega Genesis audio or, or Sega audio, um, I can tell you that it's not easy to get a recording that sounds perfect out of it. You're gonna get you need you need the right equipment, but you also need to know what to do with the files after you've captured them. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, uh, I think that's sort of a, one of the things that I would like to see at least more with these companies is like the transparency of the recording process. I, 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 full disclosure, I talked to somebody from a ship to shore and asked them about it a little bit. Uh, so I would love to like get some more transparency in that regards. Cause a lot of the stuff, especially, uh, I try not to knock it. Like some of the limited run stuff sounds kind of, eh, and it's kind of dubious where they might have gotten their record because there's no like info on. I don't even know the record company that stuff like limited run games used the pressing plant. So it's kind yeah. of a uh, something so that limited I think, run games yeah. is going to be the target example, right? Because I always first defend them. Limited run games is mm-hmm. not your personal connoisseur for your collection. They are not the savior of of, of physical media. They are a company that has to make money to pay their employees so their employees could play their rent and eat. They're not, yeah, no, that's understandable. Know, yeah. They're not a not-for-profit company. So when they're running these special edition things, you know, it's nice to see when they put the time and care into them, but you're getting a Walmart record. You're getting a target record. You're getting tchotchkes. You're getting, you know, you're getting the stuff that they know sell to their customer base. You're not getting the stuff that they know is the best that they could do because yeah. that's not their business model. And I'm, I'm, not shitting on them for that. I'm defending them a hundred percent because they, I don't think they're the ones saying our stuff is the best of all time. I think some of their weird fanboys are. So yeah. And I don't like it, but like I said, I think it just all comes down to the disclosure part of it. Just being like, Hey, this is how it was mastered. This is who did it. Like this is, you know, where it was printed at, where it's pressed at. I think the little disclosure would be kind of cool to have with, at least a lot of these records. And I know a lot of, like, because a lot of the audio file stuff have that, like, pressed at Palace, pressed at GZ, pressed here and there, and they have all the master stuff, uh, master from the original audio tapes by Bernie Grunman. And it'd be kind of cool to have that disclosure with the, in, within the video game vinyl community. Because I've talked to a lot of people in and out of the audio file community and the viewing community, and they kind of agree that there should be some more 
at least, at least a little bit more disclosure in the nicest way possible. And I'm not saying like it's not me saying, oh, all all LRG stuff is bad or garbage or this all everything yeah. else is good. It's just like something that that especially nowadays. I don't know if you heard about the controversy with the. I don't know if you know Mobile Fidelity Sound Lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they do a bunch of audio file records, and they it's there's one right there that they did in the past for uh, Adam Hart Mother, but um. Essentially, there's a controversy going around because apparently they didn't. Apparently, there's digital steps within their analog process when it's supposed to be full analog, and there's rumors that you know for the last seven or so years they've been using, they're releasing stuff that was had a digital process to it when everything's supposed to be all analog, all from the master tapes, and it really is because of of actually kind of going back to Thriller, they did a something called the one step, which is the it's basically when they get rid of the mo- they get rid of the the mother and the father stuff. And they print directly from that uh, the print directly from the uh, from the lacquer, which is the the highest they could po- quality they possibly could get. And apparently they are running because apparently they they pressed about thirty k of it. And if they pressed it throughout, and if they cut it directly from the master tape, that would mean theoretically they ran the, the master tape for Thriller about. Uh, I don't know so many times because they have to keep cutting it because after a certain amount of time the lacquer wears down so they'd have mm-hmm. to run it probably I think if I think they did one k for each of it so they'd have to run the master tape about thirty times which is pretty unhealthy for a record of that age and vintage or sorry master tape of that age and vintage so they were th- theoretically saying that they would have not let them run it that many times so and there's a lot of controversy with that. So, so there, you just brought up two excellent points, and I know we're nerding yeah. out and getting a little pedantic, but that's kind of the point of this podcast. First and foremost, if you're skipping the 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 mother and father recordings before it goes, uh, you know, before it goes to vinyl, you're skipping the process that a, an engineer with a trained ear would have planned for. So that's one of the things that when I was looking into mastering and talking to some old school people, and we didn't end up mastering ours, long story, totally other podcast, not this. But one of the things that I was learning was that they they know, they hear what they're hearing today, right now, when they're doing it, because they know what that's going to turn into when it comes down the assembly line, because they've done it so many times for so many years. So you might argue that skipping those extra processes would change the sound from what the original engineer had planned on. And on the other side, you're a hundred percent right in that the more that they're cutting into that, that changes the sound and eventually ruins the original. So even if theoretically you had the same factory and the same quality materials and everything, the record that you would buy today is not going to sound the same as the record you'd buy in 83, 84. Yeah, but the, the, that one step actually produces. It's supposed to be that way. It's a high quality process to print, press vinyl. So I don't know if it would affect that in that regards. It's just a. It's it's to make it higher quality because you're skipping that loss of generation from going mother to father. Yeah, that's one that I would have to listen to, and that's one that that's probably up for debate because while yeah. it might technically be better, just like. CD is technically better. If that's not what they were planning for in the mix, it could definitely change the sound. Yeah, honestly, I've listened to a lot of One Steps, and they blow they blow the originals almost away. Like I have to, we'll have to meet up sometime, and we'll go to New York. I'll bring a couple One Steps with me, and you'll be like, "Oh my god, this is probably the best I've ever heard this record." Like like Thriller, they pressed. So I'll have to maybe pick that up, and I'll bring that down, and you'll be like, "Oh my god." 
so what's the difference? Can you describe the difference? Is it basically just as, is it the same sound with less, um, less vinyl hiss? Like what is the difference? Like I said, it's generational loss. So it's the closest you can get to the, the master tape without actually listening to the master tape. It's removing the steps of generational loss and the loss of inequality from doing that. It's just directly from the, the cut of the vinyl directly onto the cut from the master tape directly onto the vinyl. So it's a, and not to mention all the EQ processing that they do at, at these companies that they, they work with. It just, I, I can't describe it exactly. I'm not like technical with a lot of the stuff. I'm just sort of regurgitating what I'm hearing from what they're telling me, what people in the, that I've listened to and watched do. But it's just a high, very high quality record and it sounds amazing. Uh, like I said, it, I mean, if you probably listen to it on a cheaper turntable, like probably something. Like we were talking about before, like a, a Bluetooth thing or like a Crosby, it's probably not going to be any different. But if you listen to it like yeah. on a high quality system, you're like, okay, now I hear it. And it's like, oh my God, it's just amazing sounding. And not to mention the, the quality of the vinyl they press it on adds to that as well. Yeah. I mean, that. So I'm still skeptical, not because I don't believe you, but because here's a perfect example. I just paid. A stupid amount of money for an original Wu Tang Clan 36 Chambers Enter the Wu Tang, their first album. And, Dang. <laughs> and I I mean I've I've heard those songs forever and I listened to digital versions that were cleaned up. And the digital versions you could absolutely say are clearer or better. You know, you could use those words, but when you throw in that cassette, you play the first two songs, that's absolutely how the RZA wanted it to sound. There's no doubt the in my brain. The Yep. ODB, I, mean, I can't say was, his name online. It's Raekwon powerful. I mean, if you listen to the interviews with him too, the goal was to make it sound as real as possible. And I think he used the word grimy, and you know, like that's what he wanted it to sound like. And it was, you know, it. it I definitely prefer it. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to listen to that album. You know, maybe a song here and there, but I'm never going to listen to the album again unless it's the cassette on on the the player that I have yeah. because it's a. I think it's supposed to sound like that. So. I mean, and if you think about it, that's pretty much how he probably captured a lot of those samples from all the old movies. He probably used, you know, this crappy VHS he had, threw it in there, put the, the line out into the mix board, whoever he captured the recording on, yep. and probably recorded, if I had to guess, probably to a tape. So you have a tape onto a master tape. So it's go- the samples are going to sound pretty bad and like or not going to sound the so best. So I don't and- know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure captured same thing, VHS, into the input. But I think they were sampled onto three and a half inch floppy. I could be wrong about that. Really? Though, but yeah, on a, That's a mixing. A, uh, there, there were like those high end, you know, it's like a keyboard with a, a floppy drive in it. And that's how I, I've seen a lot of music created from back then was using it. I don't know that for a fact. That's just a guess. So I'll have to, I'd have to look that up. But Yeah. I am guess I'm just thinking like back then what I would have done if I had to capture a sample from an old uh, martial arts movie. And at least that's at least how I would have done it. It's like, whatever, it's a VHS or maybe even, I don't even think they have the, they released those on LaserDisc. So I don't think even that was an option for them back then, even though it probably was. I just don't, like I don't know, yeah. like I said, I don't know what was pressed. I mean, I could probably see it because it was the '70s, so there's probably some laser disc versions of that out there. But if I just yeah, but guess, these were a bunch captured. of poor kids from a, a bad neighborhood in Staten Island. They're not having a laser disc player. They had, you know, they're, VHS, they're using whatever yeah. they had 
to it. Or like maybe know. some record from TV. So like I said, but I, I guess I guess the point is that a lot of samples probably wouldn't have sounded any better on vinyl mastered to a any one step process. It's not gonna it's not gonna make v, old VHS samples or whatever they captured on sound like uh audio file recordings unless they literally yeah. redo all the sampling by all the digital standards of today. But even then like it's it's the whole thing. It's all discussion we could have for hours about how the quality would have been and why it probably wouldn't have been. And that's probably why it sounds so good on a cassette because that's you know probably what he was using to listen to back to it, record demos and stuff. And that's probably yeah. yeah, it's good enough for me. Let's do it. So, um, ripping vinyl. I yeah. have my theories on this, but I don't have enough experience to to say anything for sure. So everything I'm going to say is guesses, but. Most of the how to rip your vinyl videos and, and documentation I've seen seems like 100% bullshit. <laughs> it seems like how do you take a format that's designed for one thing and change it into another? So you, you basically end up with a compressed MP3 with some vinyl hiss on it and completely defeating the purpose. But I do think... So I guess we should go back. Um, for years, I've heard that vinyl had a wider range of frequency sound capability than cds which is why some people preferred it over that yeah i mean that that's um, that's definitely a, that's that's an that's pretty much a truth i mean that's like technically true that it did have a a, a, a bit like and that's even if you look at the tech docs of both cd and vinyl that's actually true that it did have a wider dynamic range a or a was it sound uh, i can't remember exactly the range of that it's that's that definitely technically true so, but just to reiterate the point that we were making before, if you have an album that was recorded, mixed, and mastered digitally and designed yeah. to be listened to on CDs, doesn't mean that if it's on a vinyl, it's going to sound better. In fact, it might even sound worse. But in the context of what it was designed for, then yes, I think you could have a wider range. So when you rip it, why I would guess that in order to really get the true sound, you would first need an amazing phono preamp. You would need to probably spend at least a grand to get a true reproduction of an analog sound. And then you would need to record at 24-bit, 192K, you know, in, in FLAC in order to truly capture the full range of sound. Have you experienced any of that? Have you tried it? Have you tested any of it? I actually have. There's actually a record here I have. Uh, I'll need to find it, but it's a record. Oh, that's right there. I see it. So, uh, here. Oh, that over there. Uh, so basically, this is a record that I kept. I so you know the it's called like a the new new J pop. It's a channel on YouTube that streams like Japanese records. Basically, they stream a bunch of uh a Japanese like old Japanese records that are super obscure that the guy goes to Japan like picks out a bin and gets them. This is one called, uh, it's called the Shaking Jigsaw Puzzly Band. It's called Soul Sundera. Soul and uh, this, if you find this online, any capacity that I ca- that I didn't capture, I will, I'll give you something. I'll send you anybody a record if they can, because I know they can't. So essentially, this is a record that I had to capture digitally, and I have it on YouTube. If you look up Shaking Jigsaw Puzzly Band, Soul Sudera. This mm-hmm. will pop up, and I'll send Bob a link in case he wants to put it in the description. So Absolutely. I captured this from my setup using, uh, you know, like I said, 192, 24 bit into a phono, pre- into an expensive phono preamp into a uh, into my audio interface and captured it that way to get the best quality sound I can. 
And uh, that's about the way I did it. And uh, this is really necessary because I wanted to have people listen to and sample. And actually, fun fun fact, uh, sorry, it's quoting Pandemonium. Uh, <laughs> he actually uses that in one of his videos, the soundtrack to that. So uh, I already know that I was successful in capturing that and happy that I did. But I guess the point is, is that uh, you do need equipment to get the best you can. You don't necessarily need a thousand dollar phono preamp because I only use like about a five hundred six hundred dollar one. And oh, I guess, yeah, I, I was exaggerating. I just yeah. meant don't buy that Bluetooth record player. And yeah, stick don't. It right yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing is that is that is that if the turntable was wasn't meant to record it, that's probably the best way to to capture a record onto a computer. So uh, it's kind of a weird thing to think about because you think like, oh, but this turntable has built-in USB. No, what you want to do is is you want to is if the if the record is actually a hassle to capture, that means you got the right one. Sorry, the the right turntable and the right well and the right interface. So you want is if you get as all analog as possible, you want to keep that whole setup, everything on the turntable, the phono preamp or the receiver, whatever you use, keep that all analog, and then use an audio interface or something to capture on your computer. Because even putting into a line in on your sound card, there's going to be some issues because that's not meant for that purpose. Yeah, it's funny. So if you really want to do this right, you need first, you cannot use Windows 10 or 11, or I guess 8, 8 terrible anyway. You have to use um, certain builds of Linux because uh, the audio um, back end of, of certain builds is different. Uh, I forgot which one is the one people are going to, but um, I'm going to have a whole other video out on that at some point soon. Don't or Windows Seven. Capture that on Windows Ten. <laughs> well, you need you need because for whatever reason, Windows Ten and Eleven uh, it destroys sound at a lower level, so your ears probably can't pick it up. But yeah. You want to, you know, you want a clean start, so you want one of those two. Then you want an MD4A approved audio interface because if it's approved and you could test it yourself that means that it doesn't add noise to the noise floor it doesn't change the signal within a reasonable percentage um, i use the motu m4 which is still available and awesome i also use uh, m audio 192k which has an even lower noise floor but you have to edit the files afterwards i'll get to that so you need to make sure that your equipment and your operating system are there you definitely need to have some kind of decent preamp and a company that I actually really like. So I don't want to say their name, but I was talking to them about their preamps and they're like, Oh yeah. You know, if you get this model, it has USB out. So you could rip your collection. And I looked at the specs. It was like 16 bit 40, 44 K. It was basically CD. And I'm like, this is a giant piece of shit. No, of course not. Yeah. So I, you actually, need a actually, I do want to doesn't s- suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do want to shout one that doesn't suck is the uh, the mobile fidelity. I think it's the the phone. The phone I forget what exactly it was. It's the basically it's the mobile fidelity. The you don't have it comes in either one with an a, a, a uh, an audio amp out like a, a headphone amp out. But the 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 mobile fidelity uh, one I think it's like three hundred or something. I would highly mm-hmm. recommend that for anybody that wants a good medium because it's great quality. A lot of audio files love it. I, I, it's it's not exactly entry level, but it's one of the best you could probably get on a solid state. I would that love it if you could send me a link to that because I think a lot of people would really appreciate it. Um, the one I'm using now for this current setup is a project $180 one. That is fine. It's not great. Um, the reason I didn't spend more is because I, uh, I'm going to be upgrading the head and cartridge next year. And I was told by a couple of people that I trust that that's when 
you really want to get the better preamp. So upgrade all of that at the same time. So I just got the basic ones, but uh, I'll make yeah. sure to leave a link to the one that you sent because um, I, I really think that, uh, that, you know, spending a little bit of money to start is, is definitely worth it for people. And, you know, if, if you're just starting out and you don't even know if this is worth it to you, I still would get a record player that's, when I say high end, not a piece of crap. Um, you know, spend three, four or 500 bucks if, if this is something that matters to you. If, you know, if you're the person that just likes to look at the artwork and listen to a song or wants the experience, like there's some Middle Eastern records that my grandparents used to listen to that I still listen to now and then. And they sound like shit on record. They sound like shit on CD, but it's the experience I want. And if, if that's exactly. what you're going for, you know, fine, get the cheap stuff. But I would absolutely strongly recommend getting a bass player that's good enough so that if you do things like change the head and add a different preamp, you, then you're just talking about, you know, small incremental updates with the same bass. You mean, you mean in terms of like changing the cartridge, right? Cartridge, needle, head. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha, okay. Yeah. The whole, yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, and actually if you, if people really want to get into it and they, and they, and that's still pretty pricey to them, you'd always go to a record store and they have used turntables like, any three techniques, basically all you have to look for is, does it have a counterweight? Does it have maybe an anti-skate? Does it have a switchable head shell? If you can get those three, it's pretty much a pretty good starting point for a turntable. And you might not, you're probably going to spend maybe like $100, $200 tops for a used one. And mm -hmm. like any any record store worth their weight in salt could help you point in the same direction. We'll have a selection of decent turntables. And, and if you want, it basically, and if you want an idiot-proof turntable where it's like, I want something that's good that I can buy and I don't have to think about it. And I just go on Amazon, hit add to cart, just get one of the audio technica LP one twenties. Perfect. That's what all you need. Turntable head. How much is that one? Uh, I think it ranges from like 200 to 300. Let me see the price. The thing is that with inflation, uh, oh, yeah, it like know. it changed the price and the stuff. So, uh, yeah, the cheapest one I'm seeing 300 for LTP one twenty USB. Uh, which, yeah, it used to be out, but it still sounds good. Um, yeah, yeah like, that, that's a good point. Just because it has USB out doesn't mean it's a cash grab piece of crap. You don't have just, to use the USB out. Spoilers. <laughs> or, or the Orbit's U-turn. Let me see. U-turn Orbit. Sorry, I don't mean so, looking up on the spot and be that guy. No, but, like, I appreciate I, off it so top my head, forget. Yeah, I can't remember. I'd rather give, yeah. But yeah, that, that, actually, that's a little bit more expensive. Oh, no, you can get the base one for three twenty nine. So you don't exactly, like I said, if you don't want to spend that much for a new turntable, you can, you know, get something like, you know, that, like the, you know, uh, like the used ones at the store. You can get something like an Amazon where it's just add to cart and forget about it for 300 And it does sound a lot, especially probably in this economy. But if like, honestly, if, if you're serious about it and you want to listen to it, I would recommend that. And I guess you could probably maybe like stretch to an ATLP 60, which is like, a little cheaper turntable but even then it's like uh, i would just get like a used turntable that price but that's that's just me yeah. like for the same so price you, you make get, a very good yeah. point and it's something that i thought we probably should have addressed at the beginning not 45 minutes in but um don't get super cheap stuff because the needle could actually damage your records so you don't get super cheap stuff yeah. but if you're listening to this going i would never want to spend that much money on players then don't. And I mean that with love and respect. I'm not making fun of you. Like if you just want to listen to music, just download the files from your favorite service, stream it wherever you don't have to spend money to enjoy the music. 
what we're talking about is for people that have already decided that they want to get into vinyl and they want to appreciate yeah, like vinyl is your life you're buying records on vinyl you you just inject you inject you know thousand dollar records into your veins you, you inject that directly <laughs> into your veins like well i mean probably not that but like probably yeah i actually yeah, i i don't getting, even think that getting that stuff yeah, I actually don't even think that you you need to be that extreme in order to want to spend this money on it. I think you just have to have decided that enough of it is worth it to you. You know, it's like people like me who own an Atari Jaguar just to play Tempest 2000. There's a million different ways I could play Tempest, but that's important to me. It's the same thing, you know. I, I have I probably got 30 records now. I'm probably going to listen to 15 of them you know, at least once a year for the rest of my life. And it's worth spending the money on that to have that experience for me. But you just, you know, play it on Spotify if you don't want to spend the money. Yeah. Or if you want digital and you don't want to deal records, get like high-end all your interfaces, get high-end like players, like or high-end like, uh, you know, DAC players like and stuff. It definitely is an option. You might even save money getting one of those super high-end, like, you know, the flack players versus a turntable. So, there's yeah. a, it, and it's it kind of is an analog almost to no pun intended to an analogy to like with the Mister stuff where it's like yeah you can get the original consoles or you can you know get the Mister and while it's not you know the original experience and the experience that we want that a lot of people like you can get that high quality and you don't have to spend you know hundreds of dollars on cartridges or you know EverDrives and stuff you can get that package deal. Yeah, and I do actually think. Mr. Analogy is great because there are a lot of people out there that do just enjoy a Mr. and don't really need anything else, but they still enjoy hearing about the other stuff. And, you know, they think it's interesting. Just like there's a lot of people that might really enjoy this conversation that will never buy a record, that will never invest in a vinyl player, but they, they just, they think it's an interesting topic. So I always appreciate that. Yeah. And, and definitely. And if, and if I, I don't, I don't know Bob's time schedule, so I don't want to talk for him, but if anybody wants to reach out to me and talk about records or say, yo, Patrick, I want you into records. What do I need to do? Just feel free to mess with me anytime discord or anything. And I definitely will talk to you about it because like I'm passionate about it. I think that's what I love is the passion. Like, you know, talk about the passion, shout out REM. But yeah, I guess, <laughs> I, I guess like my thing is that I, I love listening to passion. I hopefully people that don't like records might listen to be like, man, I'm really passionate about it. And they're like, maybe I should get into this. And like I said, it's, it's you don't have to spend all this money in records. You could buy, you know, like decent copies. Like I think one example that I love is uh, I'm gonna search for it. Actually, it's right there. I'm good. I would have record covers. I could see them from a mile away. But like Nirvana, like this record, this is probably one of the best sounding of it. It's a uh, analog pressing Bernie Grunman. Uh, oh man, am I gonna? I think I need to do that so you don't get. It's <laughs> fine. That's yeah, fine. but anyways, yeah, like I said, Bernie Grunman cut, very high quality, all analog, Preston Palace. You probably guess, man, this must have cost a fortune. Twenty five bucks now. You can go online buy one of these Preston Palace. Twenty five bucks for analog. You don't have to break the bank to get the best quality records. Sometimes you can spend that, and it's, especially with jazz, like with uh with Blue Note, they're releasing analog records, twenty five a pop, highest quality you can get, great pressing, Bernie Grunman. I don't think Bernie Grumman does those, but high-quality engineers that work on them, you don't have to break the bank to get the best quality records either. Like This isn't like an expensive hobby that you need to spend $100 on. You could spend 25 bucks and get like you know high-quality records. You don't have Depends to. Depends on what, what you're going for. 
I wanted an original um, Holy Diver Dio because uh, they they're remixing the album now, and it's funny. The guy who remixed it told Wendy Dio, "No, absolutely not. I'm not touching that album." And she's like, "No, no, no. It's you know, a lot of people are listening to it on their cell phones now. It doesn't sound the same. We need you to they remix it." They, for, honestly, you know. honestly, I may be honest. They should have really got Robert Trujillo to re-record the bass on that, and the other, someone else to re-record the drums. Because I think no, I'm just joking. That's funny as hell. Um, no, but yeah. I mean, in all in all seriousness, though, if you're listening on your cell phone, like the first time a friend of mine put their cell phone in like a, a rocks glass and all of a sudden, it, it, you know, it's loud. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Now you have music everywhere you go anytime you want to. So I love that. And I, I love that they they took the time to remaster that for that exact reason. But the original sounds so much better. And I think I bought the record for 30 bucks. Whereas exactly. if I wanted an original from the 60s or 70s, Paranoid from Black Sabbath, I'm spending infinitely more money than that, which I love. Yeah. I, I actually got one and it turned out to be cracked. So I got to go back on Discogs and, uh, and figure and, that uh, out. And cut, uh, break some heads? No, no, no. I bought it from a, a like a random shop or something like that. So buying from Discogs has been a great experience every time. Everybody's very honest so far. I get exactly what I expected. So. Yeah, and, and I also want to point out as well that sometimes the high quality records that are like audiophile aren't even the best. Like, this is the record I have. Is it over there? I think it's right here. Sorry, I try to organize these so I can just easily pull these out. <laughs> this is right here. This is Megadeth Countdown to Extinction. Like, this oh, yeah. is like an like technically an audiophile grade, but I actually do not like the way this sounds because it uses the 2004 remasters, and it definitely um. is not for me. Yeah, and that's a big bummer with that. That's why I actually just sold it recently as well. But like, like I said, sometimes the audiophile records are not the best sounding ones. Like even that, like a lot of the ones I have, it's a lot of collectibles. So like sometimes, even if you're spending the money, sometimes it's not going to be the best qual the best quality you can possibly get, or something that's reasonable. Which I like with the audiophile communities that they're very honest about that. Where it's like you don't have to pump the money. You don't need, you know, you don't need like like even if you have the third best sounding copy. It's still 85% of the best sounding copy, which I think for a lot of people is good enough, especially with the way people's hearings deteriorates over time. So like with yeah. that, never mind. That's probably the, the, the second best or third best sounding copy, but like it's still one of the best sounding copies you could possibly get for your money if you, and then you're not spending like fifteen like like uh, $1,500 on original pressing to get the best quality. And which is yeah. what I like about the hobby. Like, I mean, it's like... You don't have to, and you can get the best sound quality in, for a cheap price. You know, I, I think I always try in every video I do and every post, I always try to incorporate saving money or why you would yeah. want to spend the money into it. And if like, I would never tell somebody, oh, if you want to listen to the original Dio album the best way, go spend 1500 bucks. Like that's stupid and you know, I, I would I think people would lose a lot of respect for me if I tried to come across that way. But if yeah. you think about it on the flip side, um, you have two channel audio that you really love that you want to hear music on. So uh, the amp that I've been using for two channels, the NAD, uh, I'll leave a link. I'm doing a whole video on that in a couple of weeks, but looking forward to it. It's amazing for two channel audio for analog two channel audio mm -hmm. and i found two sets of speakers uh some elax and the ascend acoustics that i already talked about that are both for the money the best i've ever heard that that for the money is is really what i try to impress upon people when i talk about audio stuff anybody could have a stereo that sounds better if you spend a shitload of money but not 
you know, if you find the right combination of components, you could save a ton. So exactly. you, know, you can pick up one of those NAD amps for 500. It's 400 bucks for a set of speakers. We're at 900 now. And then you put in a good record player. You know, you're looking at almost 1500 bucks after you need all the accessories that you need. If you're just looking to play one or two records, that's very dumb. But if you also say, hey, you know, I'm going to pick up a used Nakamichi cassette player for a hundred bucks and, you know, make sure to refurbish it. And, oh, like, I, I also have these video game consoles from the 80s and 90s that I love the music on. Suddenly, it's not 1500 bucks to listen to two records. Suddenly, it's two grand to have an holy shit, amazing, I can't believe I own a stereo like this quality. And that's why I always say for the money. If you put that into context and you say, oh, well, I spent you know, this much on it, what you're getting for all of the other stuff is is really what the total experience of everything that you have that's analog is going to sound amazing. Exactly. And it's all of what you use it for. Like, for example, if you buy like a record, you're like, listen, like you were saying, it's like, but if you buy something that you're just going to keep using over and over, you know, like these headphones or something, like if you put the money into it and you're going to use it every single day of your life, like an iPhone or a car, or like, you know, I well, cell phone, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not going to debate on which side's better or not, but an expensive phone, there we go. An expensive phone or a PVM or, you know, something of that nature. If you're going to use it every day and it's in your life, it's worth the money because, like, I mean, I like I just can't, like, I used to listen, buy, like, the crappy, like, the Sony, like, little Sony headphones you buy, like, at Walmart Me for too. 10 bucks. And, like, they were good, but they broke and I had to keep getting them over and over again. But these headphones. Like I have a pair of IEMs, a, a Shure SE215s I use. Hmm. I got those in 2014, and I use those probably every day of my life pretty much on a consistent basis. Either it's going to the gym, traveling, listening to music. It, high quality, quite quality, and I have it every day. It was 100 bucks. Even these these headphones, like they were, they were pricey. I'm, not, I'm, tr- I'm trying not to flex. It's really hard. But like I'm just trying to get the idea across that sometimes it's worth the investment, sometimes it's not. So like... Some of the video games I kind of regret getting because I don't play them every day and like, you know, I could use the money better. And that's why I sell even records. I sell them sometimes because like if I'm not listening to them, why do I have them, I guess? So I, I guess I'm not really I never really vibe with that too much. But like like, like you were saying, if you're using it every day and it makes more sense to, oh, this $300 pair of headphones. But if you look at it, $300 pair of headphones, but I'm going to use it every single day in my life. And it's going to have increased my enjoyability of what I do to a day-to-day basis. I think that's easily worth the investment, in my opinion. But like I said, sometimes you don't even need to spend that much money to get the best out of you know your life or headphones. Like even even hell, even an eighty or sixty dollar investment in something that like audio-wise is going to change your your love and respect to music. Where it's like because like going from like it's kind of like ice analogy is going from composite to S video. Yeah, it's not RGB, but the step up is so huge hmm. in comparison that it's like, wow, this actually makes the experience even better than I was enjoying it before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the money thing, right? If you buy the stuff that we were just talking about and you buy a rolling rack and, you know, you buy a calibrated BVM and, you know, you're you're $4,000 into this, right? And you play a couple of games on it and you listen to one record and that's it. I mean, you definitely should have just downloaded that song on your favorite music store of choice and played it on an emulator. But if these are things that they don't age out, right? Like you buy a brand new phone, you know, three, four years from now, it's slow and clunky. You buy a really nice amp, really nice speakers and, you know, a, a bunch of records that you take good care of. 
that same $4,000, holy crap, why would anybody be so dumb to spend that experience? You use that for 10 years. Now you're talking about a dollar a day. If you use that thing a couple of times a week, was that worth a dollar a day to you? Yeah, of course. Not even you know, not even blinking an eye. So it's really just what matters to you and, and how you apply that to your life. And I, I got to say, like, I always wanted a good stereo, always. And I've with being the poor kid, cousin Scott and I would like wire stuff together and plug this into this. And you have to like flip on four switches to get it. And, you know, we made it work. But this is the first time in my life I actually sit down and listen to music and just go, like I like I gotta pinch myself sometimes. Like I feel like the richest man in the world because I have a stereo that sounds this good. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny. I love getting old tech like that, where it's like we could never afford it as kids, but nowadays we're feeling like uh, we're feeling like the big businessman with the Neo Geos rolling down the street and his six four. No, uh, but I, I guess the the po- yeah, it's just amazing that we can you know we're we're big boys now. We're we're men, men and women. We can afford. The, the stuff nowadays like we can we can get it and i i really and that's why i love old tech like getting the high old high-end stuff because it makes me feel like a millionaire it's like wow i remember i saw this as like god damn i really want this but i can never afford that and now it's like god damn even though it's like of course marginally less expensive it's cool to to own and have something yeah. like damn i can't believe this is in my house it's so funny that wave of emotion like i see how much money i make on youtube and i'm like i'm fucking poor i gotta sell some more shit in order to get the new shit and then i sit down and i listen to the stereo and i'm like i think i'm the richest man in the world i could listen to michael jackson pre-diddle michael jackson and it sounds so good you know yeah it's kind of funny to, to see if you just pick the right equipment you save your money you get what's important to you yeah you don't need to spend a million bucks and that's the one you know the only thing you know you're talking about flexing before the only thing i would I enjoy flexing and enjoy bragging about is how little I spend to sound like this versus people that spend 10, 20, 30 grand on a nice stereo that sounds better, but not 20 grand better. You know, it's, it's, yeah. that's, that's my flex moment is figuring out and the, the best exact thing combination. Is that, is that uh, the thing I like about it is like, and you can too, you, you can too, yeah. here. you don't have to blow out all this money for that. You can be, you know, the budget master of, having the best stuff you don't have to like you don't have to buy you know ever drives rgb mod consoles or hdmi out you can get a mister and enjoy your life and not have to spend that all that money and have just the same experience maybe if yeah. not better in some aspects and that's what i like about about that and that's what I, I try to iterate in my stuff as well is that you don't have to you know spend all this money you literally every person i have you could probably find the equivalent and equipment that i have and sound just as good if not better in some aspects which is what or I love about the hobby. Or you could piece it one at a time. Exactly. Like if that's you really it. wanted to, you go out and get that NAD amp that I love so much that has a re- shockingly good phono preamp in it. For something that's built in, definitely impressive for, for the money. And then just go to a Goodwill and pick up two bookshelf speakers that aren't blown and start there. And then exactly. as the years go on and then, you know, hey, I dropped 500 bucks on a two-channel amp. I don't really use it anymore. Let me sell it. Fine. Or... Hey, I'm really using this all the time. It's for video games. It's for, you know, cassettes, for everything else. Then pick up your set of speakers. You know, then, you know, you get the the used turntable that you got for 100, 200 bucks somewhere. That's good. It's not going to ruin your, your records. Make sure to, you know, you get at least a decent, when I say decent, like not beat up and old. Spend 20 bucks on a head with a good needle 
um, you'd probably want to spend a lot more, but just saying, not junk. And then you start listening and you go, hey, this is awesome. This is great. But I was just over Patrick's house and his sounds so much better. So now I'm going to upgrade the player. And now I'm going to like, you don't have to just walk out and drop two grand for this. You could dip your toe in the water and do one step at a time. And that that two channel amp is going to last a long time. You buy that now, that's definitely going to still be kicking 10 years from now. Exactly. Exactly. And there's definitely like, you know, you don't have to get like the top end, like even cartridges. Like, honestly, I've been preaching like the the Audio Technica cartridges, the AT, the AT series, or sorry, the ATVM series. Like there's yeah. so many good options for that. Like you can get go from like 39, like 40 bucks to almost like 100, like a few hundred dollars. And it'll sound pretty it, like, like, I mean, there's probably jumps to like, like there's a lot of like good middle grounds and stuff. So like, like you can just and like you said, increment over time if you want, or you no, know, get like, maybe keep this and like, yo, maybe I want to upgrade to the next level and just sell the other one off and, you know, put that money towards it. So you don't have to, I mean, or here's another crazy idea. If you're not really sure, just buy some of the vinyl that you think you might like now and just keep it, keep it on, you know, display it somewhere on your shelf, put it on yeah. your wall, bring it to a friend's house with a player and listen, like, you don't, know, you could just you could love the physical media aspect. You could love the artwork aspect. You could take out the sleeve and read the lyrics as you're listening to the Spotify stream for free. Like you don't. You can smell if you it. Want to start? <laughs> yeah. I know it's weird, but like, into it, you know? like I like I don't know. Like I love. I'm very tactile in, in the way. Like there's a joke on my podcast. I love smelling things. So I love smelling <laughs> like old things. Like you, you like you, when you like open up a record that's been that's a bit old that it's taken care of, but it's old. Like you can smell like the age on it. It's mold. like a vintage mm, <laughs> smell mm, the mold like, cigarettes, the disease. Cigarette. Honestly, some of that stuff Somebody actually is fun. Scratch their ass and then touch that record 30 years ago. Exactly. And now you're the butt ass. smells the best, the best. <laughs> but yeah, like I have a, uh, I've, where the heck did I put that? But yeah, one record I picked up recently, it was, uh, uh, you know, the band Sonic Youth, right? Sonic Youth. Yeah. I picked up, uh, oh man, I don't remember what the record is. It's in one of these piles over here. Uh, I, I, for uh, for listening. anybody listening audio only, Pat's got three three deep uh, piles of records uh, I, I that he surrounded himself screen. with, so he could have props for this. And I guarantee you, that's not all the records he has. Nope. Uh, yeah, but the Sonic Youth Daydream Nation, like it's it's got that vintage smell. I found this actually I bought the other day, uh, a couple days ago. But it was uh, it was in a record store, really great quality. I love Sonic Youth Daydream Nations, probably. One of my favorite records of all time. Amazing avant-garde record. I love Sonic Youth. But yeah, uh, great record. Uh, but I guess the point is that it had that 80s smell. Like you can smell the vintage on it, which I love. And I know if some people don't like that stuff. It's like, oh, I want it like smelling pristine and new or like looking pristine. But I love I love that, like the look of like, you know, it's, it's like a bit, it's a bit old. Like, you know, it's a bit like faded a bit in some aspects. It feels like, it feels old, you know, it has the, the sleeves with the you know it's all it's all brown and stuff you can't see it on my camera if for audio yeah. viewers but it's brown like the, the thing go from a white to a brown and it's a weird thing to, to have an opinion on but i love that aspect of it so even if you don't you know want to listen to it or you can't listen to it or you just want to save up i would highly recommend even just getting the records because even i i know a lot of i know people don't like this the word investment but sometimes records can be investments so like I, I like that evangelion one back there I bought that for fifty bucks. The the one it's like the, it's the one next to the, the Adam Hart mother. But 
I bought it for 50 bucks, and right now that's probably my most expensive record I own now. That's it. I think the last one sold for about $700. Wow. So, yeah, records are crazy in, in that regards. And I know a lot of people don't like that investment war, especially with video games and the market the way it is. But, like, if worst case, you know, the record doesn't, it's usually most of the time the records stay the same price relatively. So, if you don't like them or you're not vibing with them, you could probably sell them and make pretty much what you put into it back per se. And uh, at least that's take good care of it. Yeah. Don't, don't throw it against the wall. Don't, uh, hmm. don't uh, scratch them with a, a, uh, with a, a, a blade or something or something. Don't like just go, but yeah, keep it in good condition, keep it in the sleeve. And yeah, also I, I guess also I forgot to show off my, this is my methodology for keeping my record safe. I get like the outer sleeves and I have uh, these MoFi inner sleeves. Like I would recommend highly you get, these multi-inner yeah. sleeves, and I store them outside of the record for record wear protection. So highly recommend that. I so um, I want to just go back over that because that's the one thing I forgot to talk about before. If you do yeah. take your time to clean your records, whether you have a fancy cleaner mm-hmm. or whether you just follow whatever safe methods are online, make sure that you, you know. Make sure you follow the right people. We all know, you know, you all know how the YouTubers can sometimes get it wrong. But if you've cleaned it. And it's not expensive to get those sleeves at all. We're not talking hundreds of dollars. It's kind of like with comics and Mylar, but cheaper, where once you've cleaned that record, put it in its new inner sleeve, because even those, uh, you know, like the old paper, the old sleeve that you just showed, those could deteriorate over time. And they, and and they scuff the up the record, stick to it. Yeah, like Absolutely. Like, also, the outer sleeve is neat just because it protects your record. But here's the only question I have. Mm-hmm. When you have those done, spending a couple of bucks on the sleeves are definitely worth it. Do, why do you put it on the outside of the record? I've been putting mine on the inside, and I've been afraid that it's stretching the cardboard, but it, it doesn't seem to be. So the thing is, is that over time, there's a thing called ring wear, and you'll see on records, like you'll see, like there's a bunch of white speckles on the outside of it, and it's in a circular shape. That's from the record on the cardboard of the record itself. Cardboard of the record. I mean, sleeve. sorry, on the cardboard of the sleeve. The, inter- the, the sleeve. The 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 album art of itself. The album, you know, the cover for that. There's out, okay. and over time, if you keep it in there, sometimes it will rub against it, or mm-hmm. it'll like it'll go. It'll rub against it. And also, another point is taking the record out and in. There's always a chance, you know, because it's glued together by by like just a small thin glue and a little outer sleeve. If you take them in constantly, eventually maybe something might happen. I might rub against it or you might, you know, slip and like maybe cut like and especially in shipping, it's go- and the record isn't tight in there. Oh, I'm shipping, not- uh, the shipping there is no there is no debate in shipping. Do it the yeah. way you do it for shipping. Cuz yeah, if, if that record if that record if it's going if it's basically it's it's still it's loose in there. So if it goes it might just go right through the record and you'll have like a record. Yeah. It looks like a white tear in there. That's where the record popped through it. Uh, either yeah. shipping so you'll, or you'll ruin mm-hmm. the cover. Yeah. So shipping yeah. 100% I agree with you. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. But for like for me, I love when I pick up the record. Like it's, I just like seeing both sides. It's neat. So I've been storing yeah. them in, but I don't. I mean, I'm not shipping mine. So I don't know. Maybe I'll eventually. Uh, you know what? If anybody's still listening to this, your thoughts in the comments. If you're a record collector, uh, what do you do it 
Pat's way, not for shipping, just for storage. Yeah. Or do you do it my way where you put it back in so you kind of have a more original, fun experience when you take the record out? Yeah. I'd love to hear everybody's thoughts on it and if there is a known right or wrong way. But for shipping, there, there is no debate. You, you, you don't leave it in the, the cover you put it in a sleeve, you know, in the double sleeve, just like Pat's been showing. Like that's that's not exactly. even debate because a lot of time, even with brand new records, it, if it's dropped hard in shipping, it'll go right through that cover. So, yeah, and I, I guess, I guess, I guess the things that I, I agree with Bob's experience, but I guess I'll only say one thing to be a bit combative is that I will no way in hell have that experience for a, a eight hundred dollar record where if I mess up once and I cut and I cut the sleeve, that value is cut in half. I know what I thought, but like with a rare record, it's like it's it's not even that. It's like not even like a a oh my the resale value. It's like oh shit, I want a pristine record, so now I got to buy another eight hundred dollar record. It's like oh ghoul. and it's like it's just a whole thing. So, but that's just me. That's because I'm crazy. But like, but yeah, no, that's like an a, excellent point. If if a ten twenty dollar record, fine, do it. It's it doesn't matter if something happens, whatever. Just get a new one. It's fine. But like eight hundred dollar records, like that's 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 in the ballpark. It's like, uh, yeah, that's that's a whole new thing, and it's like you don't really want to risk it. unless you don't care, which is fine. If you spent like twenty dollars on it, whatever, it's your record, you know. But I mean, so I agree with you a hundred percent. But what is? And I'm, I'm honestly asking. I'm not, you know, I'm not being facetious. But what yeah. is really the chance of you have a shelf? somewhere in your you know in your family room in your office and you take your record out and you carefully pull it out of the sleeve and you put it on your player and you carefully put it back what are really the chances of that dropping and going through the cover is it higher because it's a, a lot of the stuff's old and getting brittle or i mean is that a, a real concern does that is that something that happens to people well the thing is that so i i guess i'll, I'll full disclose i actually have cerebral palsy and sometimes like i I like slip and sometimes I miss stuff or, you know, I'll miss I'll I'll, I'll, my visions kind of mess. I'll mess something up. So there's times where I put records back and I've missed it completely. And it goes on, on the glue outside where it's like, cause there's a, the way that a record's made is that it's a giant, a giant, you know, one thing that's, it's put together and it's glued at the ends of the seams. Mm -hmm. So if I'm putting back a record, sometimes I miss it. And then I would put the record in between where that glue is and it would just split down the middle and that's what you see on a couple of records where it's like the seam split, like the seam split, like the, that, that glue is pulled together and you'll put a record back and it'll just fall back out. And that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of like, uh, I, I guess it's like, you know, getting to a car accident. It probably will never happen, but to me, I would rather not risk it and just keep it on the inner sleeve that plus it's easy to, you know, pull this out. It's like, if I want to pull it out, it's like, bam, right there. I don't have to open this up, put it back, you know, have to fumble with it, put it back in. It's like, bam, right there. It's like, bam. Want, want to listen to that? Bam. I'm done. Put that back. I want to listen All to excellent that. points. There you go. Bam. Pull that out right there. It, it's, maybe it's a, uh, maybe yeah. you've convinced me then. Maybe you've convinced me. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm a big, like I said, I'm a big, I, I don't like taking chances with stuff. So to me, it's, it's what I like to do. And I honestly, I like the look. A record store did it and, I love the way that it looked, and I was like, you know what, I'll do it. So that's honestly the really only reason I did it. Because I love the way that that looked and the process and how easy it was. And he, and he convinced me that way too. He's like, yeah, you have to worry about that. Worry about this, and and you can see arguments online. And honestly, honestly, you probably you're right. It probably will never happen. But to me, I. I don't want to risk it. I just, I always try to find a happy balance. Like I, I talked on a Q and a a couple of weeks ago about how I got an old truck and uh, 
I, I started detailing it and I, I went, well, am I really going to spend a whole weekend trying to get this thing looking perfect when it, it, there's no way you can anyway, there's paint missing in certain parts, but mm-hmm. like, I want to be able to throw a load of dirt in this thing. I want to be able to like, I like the fact that if I come out of a parking lot and somebody dings me, I won't even know. So like, there's got to be a happy medium between overprotective and, and still using it. And the opposite of that is the D32. I, I never ever turn that thing on only when i'm doing experiments or something like that and it's almost a shame because it's you know it's one of the best crts ever made but i just it's i'm so afraid what if something happens what if lightning strikes the moment i'm you know one like because i'll never get another one if something exactly so i always try to find a happy balance between them and i feel like if i'm actually going to sit and listen to music not just like throw it on in the background while I'm working. Mm-hmm. I use my studio monitors for that because, you know, I want it to be an experience. And part of that, I guess, for me is sometimes looking at the cover. Like, um, I'm sure you know Jefferson Airplane, right? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, we built Sooner Rock and Roll. It's probably the greatest tragedy of rock and roll ever to exist. Oh, that's yeah, Starship. So I, like I guess technically it's a different band. Yeah. Well, I, there's one song they did um, that just, I don't know why. It was made. A long time before I was born, but it always mm-hmm. reminds me of something. So I got the record, I listened to the song, and I was like, "Oh, you know, that's that's pretty cool." And then I listened to the next song, and I'm like, "Wow, why why isn't this one a famous song? Like this, the chorus is so catchy." And then it just goes goes off into some weird direction, and then the next song comes on that's even weirder. And I flipped the record over, and then it gets even weirder. And I grabbed the the cover, and I was like, "What the hell?" And I'm looking at the front of it, and it's like fake news articles. And I opened up the uh, the fold on the inside, and it's two pieces of toast, one with jam, one with peanut butter. And I stared at it, and I'm like. Oh, they were really high when they made this. <laughs> like, I guess really, you could say that, really you, that, you, you, that you haven't guard a clue. Yeah, uh, uh, that's funny. But yeah, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of stupid story, like but it was part of the experience. Like it was part of that. Like, oh, I get it now. I can't listen to sober. That's <laughs> yeah. I, I think a record that I like tricking people with is uh, Lou Reed's. I don't know if you, you know Lou Reed, right? Guy that did Velvet yeah, Revolver. Not the he, biggest fan. The, he has a record Sorry. called Heavy Machine Music. And mm-hmm. I tell people it's probably the greatest record I've ever listened to. And I literally recommend that all the time. But the record literally is Lou Reed taking a guitar, putting it next to an amp, turning the amp on, and just having the amp reverberate against the guitar strings and just has a giant feedback loop. And that literally is a, du- it's a double side, two LP record. It literally is that for about like 45 minutes straight. And I love doing that because people listen to it. It's like, wait, it'll get to the good part. And like it's like it never does because all it is is just what it's like him. Str- yeah. I think he hits one string and just reverberate. I love I love that album. It's such avant garde weirdness, but I just love. Tricking oh, I don't people like Lou Reed. <laughs> yeah, Lou, Lou Reed's amazing. I I love him, even though he's kind of a interesting guy. But yeah, uh, I guess the point is that I love, and, and you can never get stuff like that on maybe like like tricking people on Spotify because it's kind of funny putting the needle down. You're like sitting there patiently waiting for it. And it's like an experience to trick people, which I think it's funny. I'd be so mad if you did that to me. <laughs> I'll bring it next time. We'll have an experience of it. I love, I don't know. I got an appreciation for avant-garde. Oh my God. I love, I love just weird crap like that. It's so fun. But, but yeah, honestly, yeah. Like what we were saying about that, like even stuff with ELO, I feel the same way where it's like, man, why is this song not popular? Oh yeah. It gets really weird. That's probably why it's not, but, <laughs> But damn, I well, love. Well, um, yeah. 
I think this is the I think this is the perfect time to call it. I think we covered all mm-hmm. ground. Um, I, I think this was a really good primer for people. Um, I'm going to be doing a video on two channel audio uh, soon because, hey, guess what? Also is a perfect fit for two channel audio old video games. Uh, so yeah. that'll be out at some point, probably by the end of the summer. I'm going to follow up with the surround sound one just so people don't hate me so much thinking that I, I'm telling them not to buy a surround sound. But I think. Uh, one of the things that would be neat is if in the description of this video, we put both of our recommended setups. And I want to say that with a caveat of, and I will put this in the notes, that these are our thoughts today as we recorded this. Wait, we're nerds and we're music enthusiasts. Setups? So, yeah, we're going to be changing them, evolving gotcha. them. But today, right now, what do we both think? And, you know, I'll put, you know, Patrick set up, my setup, and that way you could kind of see for yourself where we're at. But, do that read that knowing the suggestions we made before of how you could start with almost go to goodwill and get a two channel amp and two speakers for 15 bucks start from there if you wanted but if you want to start upgrading this is kind of where we're at today okay yeah i'm gonna have to need like half the video description for that because i have like 25 different configurations of setups for that so I mean, so do I, but like if if you said I wanted to get into two-channel analog audio right now, definitely the NAD amp, um, either the shielded or unshielded speakers, depending on if you're putting it next to a CRT. Okay, so there's um, no price range on this. This isn't the budget thing. You can just be like, this is what – if money was no object, this – well, I guess money was no No, object. No, 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 not if money is no object. Within reason. Within reason, okay, yeah. If you're on a budget, go to Goodwill. If you're not on a budget but you're not rich – you know, that's that's gotcha. the kind of thing. I'll give you my exact set because that's exactly what it is. Mine's not mine's mine's on a budget. I mean, it's definitely probably pro, I think my setup in total is probably under a thousand, maybe twelve hundred if I could gander a guess. But like, I'll give that recommendation. Oh, never mind. Our table is like a thousand dollars. Sorry, I forgot. Hmm. I don't have a, a techniques anymore, but I'll have the techniques anyways. I'll put that in there. You don't have to use my. It's just—it's so funny because if you—if audiophiles are listening to this, they're like twelve hundred. That's what I spent just on speaker cable and yeah. You know, it's, if it's, people it's like, who those, listen those to those are amateur phone, numbers. We need to boost those up. Where's the th- yeah. where's the ten thousand dollars speakers? Where's the, uh, the 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 turntable? Looks like it shoots you twenty five years into the future. Right. Like, where exactly. is that? Where is that? Patrick? And then you get the flip side: the people that put their cell phones on the table and play music that way are like, "You two yeah. are stupid." I listen to music for free, so you but yeah, but, but you the, both sides. Yeah, but one note I have to add on the turntable is that if you want a turntable that you can set forget and you can have forever and you don't need to upgrade ever, Techniques twelve hundred Mark II, you will not go wrong with that turntable. There's no way you possibly can mess up. You want a turntable that you can have a forever turntable? Techniques twelve hundred Mark II, or even some of the newer ones. There you go. Perfect. None. Anyone that comes like great. Like for somebody like that, that, that doesn't really care about $20,000 turntables or even like a thousand. Perfect. That's my cool. opinion though, but we'll, we'll, I'll put that in the video too. We'll do that. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to do this. Hopefully we got people hyped up and, uh, and also maybe a little bit grounded about vinyl. You don't need it, but if you want it, hopefully we pointed everybody in the right direction and, uh, I know this was fun. We definitely gonna. We should do another one where we just talk about you know favorite albums, how they were made, and, and debate which mix is better. I think we be get down. zero views in that one, but I'd still love to do it. <laughs> I'd be down. I've any any time of the week, Bob. You want to bring me on about any discrep- di- any discussion of music? I will be on. Whether it be why Megadeth has the worst remix I've ever heard in my life, 
or like why why Metallica is I don't know where I was going with that. Something with Metallica will figure something out. Why Bob Rock is a genius because of Saint Anger. There we go. <laughs> well, couldn't think of a more uh, you know cliffhanger for the next one. So thanks very much, and uh, thanks to all of you for watching. <laughs>